0: I'm, I'm excited. Y'all going to, have y'all had a great weekend so far? Yes. Anybody come in hungover? Just want to know where we're at. I'm just, just, just <laughs> you never know until you ask. I've always been told that when, if, you, if you'd have asked, I'd have told you, but you didn't ask. So I want to know because we're talking today about on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is. And this has been our message series that we're in. And if you've ever, anybody ever ro- ridden a roller coaster? And by the way, I've heard some really good humor uh, of somebody else I met yesterday, goes to Magic Mountain, is it, where, where the little log ride goes up, and so I had this hilarious joke that or, or experience that Pastor Cass had. Uh, can I share this? I mean, is this legal to share it? And Nathan, uh, the, their worship pastor, and and he said that they were able to go on this log ride, and you know, the log ride has water, and it's big, like, you hit the water, and it just goes over everybody, every, almost Every water park has something similar to this, and so it was in. It's in Disney World. I've never, I've yet to be experienced this, but there, there was a couple that I, what we were with yesterday was two, actually a daughter and a mother, and they go like four times a year to Disney World, and I'm really enthralled because I'm wondering what do you get out of Disney World four times in a year? But they were, they really, they really met me with that convert, that question, but I had to tell them this story that I heard last week because Nathan, Pastor, the the, the worship leader there, and Pastor Cass. We're gonna say he's a, Pastor Cast asked, "Can I? Can we get on this log ride? Can we? Can we do this?" And the guy's like, and, and and so they get on the two of them, and 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 Pastor Cass looks slim, but he's actually bigger than he looks, and and so, so he so they get on and and, and Nathan's not much smaller either, and so they get on and they see a sign that says two people max three hundred pounds, and they look and they look at the guy, and the guy's like. And so they find out. So I, I say that to say this part. I'll get you the, the rest of it. But we've been in this message series, and we've kind of been making that click, 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 you know, that, that, that sound that a roller coaster makes as it's going up. And we're at that place in the series where it's like, you have that split second thought like, oh, no, what have I done? Because what's coming next is, is like the fun and the excitement, but I don't even know if I'm ready for the excitement. Well, for these guys, the excitement was all water left the facility once they finally, when they hit it. <laughs> Talk about dry ground. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle right there. <laughs> so, so that's what we're going for. But, you know, at some point, you got to have that message in there that says you know, i got to have some, some introspection, some self-analyzation, some self-awareness of where am I in this and what is keeping me, possibly keeping me from worshiping God because of who he is all out. And so you, you kind of came into this, but that's really where freedom comes in whenever you start to realize, you know what, God, this is not God's best for me and I've settled for less than God's best. And so for me to get out of this, uh, get into freedom, I've got to get out of this. And so we've been singing these songs about he is my deliverer. The victory is ours. It belongs to him, but he gives it to us. Isn't that beautiful? He wins it all. He takes it. He takes everything, and then he gives it back to us, but it belongs to him. I, I just, it's just an amazing thing once you begin to explore more with God and understanding his perfect plan for us. And that's the, that's the message that we're in today. It's his plan. What is his plan? Well, I'll tell you what his plan is not, and I'll tell you what his plan is. And so we're going we're gonna to bring through, we're going to do a little bit of expository teaching with some, with some, uh, with some uh, um, topics within that. And so I do want you to know it's probably the most challenging message in this series, but next week I'm telling you, when, y'all might miss it, but if we're, you're going to get on Facebook and you'll watch it. We're going to have some fun the next few weeks. Pastor Katz will actually be back July 18th and speaking right here as well for us. And then Mr. Joey's gonna be in July 25th, bringing the word. And so I'm really excited about that. I can't wait, I can't wait. I love to see the Lord growing people in their giftings and their talents. But let's look at Genesis 3.8 because so much started in the garden that we are living the attributes of right now. And it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord, this is Adam and Eve, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Man, they hid themselves. Let's, let's talk about this. Because what pulls us away from the presence of God? Sin or not doing what God told us to do, right? Because we talked a little bit last series and then in the beginning of this about what you know, this word that nobody loves, obedience. We said, let's not, let's not, let's just forget about obedience. Let's just talk about doing what God says, because it kind of has a different connotation in our hearts. Whenever you hear obedience, you're like, "Mm, I'm not going to do the next thing that this pastor says. Whatever it is, I'm not going to do that, because he said obedience. And so, just doing what God told us to do. Okay, I'm okay with that. Most of us are okay with that, but I want to talk about What Satan, that Satan begins to form a stronghold in our lives and how he begins to form a stronghold in our lives. And us serving that stronghold is what takes us out of the presence of God. So Satan begins to whisper as he did with Adam and Eve. He begins to try to convince us that maybe God's word is not as accurate as it actually is. And then we begin to lean into a direction that he's trying to take us. And all of a sudden, because we've leaned into that direction for so long, now we have a stronghold in our life. And the more we allow that stronghold to take place, it gets worse and worse. And now we find ourselves out of the presence of God. But let's look at what the Lord has to say about this in Ezekiel 14.1. Says now, some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. Now this is Ezekiel speaking, and he's saying, "Elders of Israel came to him and they sat before him." And the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, saying, "Verse three, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put them before put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity." It's very. There's a lot in that. I can't break down yet. "...should I let myself be inquired of, of at all by them?" Verse 4, "...therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Everyone of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts, them, puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I the Lord will answer him who comes, according to the multitudes of his idols." strong, that I may seize the house of Israel by their heart. That's good news because they are all estranged from me by their idols. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent, turn away from your idols, and turn your faces away from all your abominations. For any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel who separates himself from me and sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, then comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me. I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. I will set my face against that man man and make him a sign and a proverb, interesting, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And if the prophet is induced to speak anything, I, the Lord, have induced that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand against him and destroy him from among my people Israel. And they shall bear their iniquity, and punishment of the prophet shall be the same as the punishment of of the one who inquired interesting that the house of Israel may not may no longer stray from me nor be profaned anymore with all their transgressions now I know that was a lot but I'm about to break it down for you and here's this but that they may be my people and I may be their God says the Lord God Almighty in all of that God is still coming after and pursuing his people, even though they have set up idols in their hearts. That one truth that we learned on Tuesday that God is madly in love with you. And this is the Old Testament, and God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, basically saying, I'm madly in love with my people. And I'm trying to get there, I'm going to try to get their attention if this should ever take place. This is the Old Testament. And he's talking about idols being set up in our hearts. From Old Testament to New Testament, God has always been concerned with having our heart. Everything is designed around capturing our hearts back from being stolen unto false false gods, idols, distractions, not doing what God has said. All these things. And so... From now, let me tell you what an idol actually is and what it means. The word idol actually is translated image. It's just an image. It doesn't have to be a carved thing. It can be just an image. Let's look at this in Exodus 24. In fact, idol does mean image, and it's translated this way. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. It's simply an image. I just want, want you to grasp that before we move forward. An image. An image is the root word of imagination. So in other words, if you're thinking about something more than you're thinking about God, it may be that there's an idol set up in your heart. If you're thinking about something more than you're thinking about God, That's just how some people smoke cigarettes. (laughs) But this is why when we call a fast, like we did this week, when we call it, every one of us get to see what's in our hearts. We get to see where our tensions go. We get to see where our cravings are. We get to see what our true distractions are because we have this battle of Am I really going to spend that time or do I have that time or will I set aside that time to focus on the Lord solely? Because that's where the tension begins whenever you start to say, hey, let's have a quiet, let's start a fast. Let's worship together the same songs, the same videos. Then comes that tension of a discovery of what's really set up in my heart. And none of us are exempt, by the way. This is not a place of shame and guilt and condemnation. This is a place of realization, self-awareness. Here's where we are, but here's where we're going. Can I get an amen, real quick? Okay, thank you. We're not we're not putting anybody down. Let me show you some ways, though, that you may you will know you may know that you have a, set up an idol in your heart. Number one is presumption. Presumption. Ezekiel 14, 3 says, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble. You see, if you if you have an idol, you'll begin to cater to that idol. Like you'll start making plans around that idol. You're making plans to spend time with that idol, making plans to be focused on that idol, to making plans to, to just be in a place where it's just you and that image. That thing that's in your imagination, that takes up space in your imagination, that idol. I'm going to bring it to you where, where your ponderings go, where your meditations are, where, man, with this thing ever gets messed up or messed with, my heart gets pricked a little bit and I get upset. Or if I don't get to do this enough, ooh, I am upset. I'm troubled. See, you'll begin to make plans of how you can even sin. You'll protect You'll protect time around that sin because having an idol in your life, an image that's, that's more focused on than God, it, it's a sin. Ezekiel, I'm sorry. Romans 13, 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. You see, our flesh has so many desires, so many things we want to do, things we think we should be doing, or we think in our imagination we know what is right but instead of the thing that we know is right we start making provision we start setting up a, a little side side money account so we can do more of it we start setting aside uh, you know start setting uh, stocking up some maybe more tackle or whatever it is more more you uh, you holding on to your netflix season so that you can binge watch for 3 days straight today some of you are probably going to go home and watch yellowstone all day because they're playing every season back to back every y'all know you kind of get where I'm going. You're setting up space, protecting time, and it's really, you know what? I'd rather be doing this than spending time with God. It's easier for me to do this. But how many times do we make provision for the things we have that are taking up time in our imagination? We begin to make a story for it. We begin to make cover for it. We begin to, we begin to protect that idol that's in our heart. We begin. We begin. The pres- and that's, we, we, we begin to say, you know what? It's okay. It's okay if I do this. It's okay to, to spend more time here. It's okay to spend more time with this thing than it is with God. And it, if, you, if you ever had this thought, and, and hey, you'd be an anomaly if you didn't. You know, it's okay if I do this thing. God's going to forgive me anyway. Like, I know I'm about to sin, but I go and do it anyway because I'm presuming that God is going to forgive me anyway. I'm presuming upon the grace. Yes, he will, but should I even be doing that? Should I even be going there? Should I even be testing the grace of God? Should I even be testing the goodness of God? And Jesus Jesus talks about this when he says you cannot serve two gods. Remember, he uses an illustration that's really close to our heart. He says you can't serve God and mammon because you'll even love one and hate the other. You'll love one, you'll serve the other. It just hit me. This may be why so many people struggle with serving the Lord at church. You'll love one, you'll serve one, and you'll... So you end up either doing what God says or you end up doing what you think is best. And so you know when it comes to the case of mammon, you know because God will say, hey, you should be generous in this area. Mammon will say, don't you do it, you'll never be able to afford that. And so what ends up happening is you're not really listening to yourself. It's not even a thought that you gave yourself. As a byproduct, you start listening to the Spirit that is behind the idol, rather than listening to the voice of God. And whenever we're not listening to the voice of God and we start listening to something else or protecting or creating provision, something else is driven by fear, then we're listening actually to the spirit that's behind that thing. And this is having an idol in your heart and you cannot live in nor carry the presence of God if you have an idol that's taking up space in your heart. And we're talking about through this series that we truly can carry the presence of God. We're we're built to be presence carriers, but we've got to move beyond being presumptuous if we're going to get there. Number two is this, estrangement estrangement. And I know this is not a very common word, but I'm going to show you in Scripture what it talks about and what it really means when you talk about estrangement. Ezekiel 14.5 says, that I may seize the house of Israel by their heart because they are all estranged from me by their hearts. Now, In in scripture, whenever you're talking about estrangement, it's talking about God's people have gone away and have adulterated against him. They've literally begun to love another God other than God. It's an estranged, you ever heard of an estranged husband or estranged spouse? They've gone away, they've distanced, distanced, distanced themselves from their spouse and they've most likely been sleeping with another spouse. Another, another person other than their spouse and this is what God is saying about his people they become estranged and this is saying there, there's now distance between us because of the image the idol that that God that people have put before them separation now remember we're married to God right We're his people. We're his bride. And so when we begin to spend time, more time, with something other than God, that becomes an idol. We have now estranged from God, become adulterated with this thing, and then we try and go slip back in bed with God. Sunday's coming. I need to get back. Estranged. So God is saying, to the house of Israel is married. The house of Israel is married to me, but they've been sleeping with another idol. They've been setting in front of their hearts some other God that's not me. Now let's look at the cycles of God's people. Jeremiah 3, 6 says, The Lord also said to me, said also to me, in the days of Josiah the king, have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree and there played the harlot. Verses, verse 8, verse 9, sorry. So it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. Now, very simple. How do you commit adultery with stones and trees? Before your imagination goes running anywhere else, stones are made to build an altar. And trees are made to cut down, to, to have a fire for whatever they are sacrificing into this other god. And what he is describing is, as this, as his people do this, they are committing harlotry. Look, look, look at this in Jeremiah three fourteen. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Boy, it, it, isn't that encouraging today? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. It really is. It seems like, oh, this is a hard hitting, and you're punching me in the gut. But it's really very encouraging because God, in the in our continually veering away, God is saying, "Just come on back, come on back, just real, come on back in here, come on back." And so, I'm hoping though that you will really will find this place of self awareness, identify with something throughout this, so that you can truly begin to move from from this space, be able to think. Think bigger, think broader, think from another perspective, and then begin to find freedom. Is it getting too cold in here? Y'all can control that back there in the sound booth if you'd like. You can turn it up. As we mature, though, in the Lord, we need to be able to recognize things that might be causing a wedge between us and God. If we're feeling like ah, I just don't feel like I'm hearing the Lord like I used to, there may need to be some self-examination that says, "Am I presuming anything upon His grace? Am I? Have I become estranged? And am I putting anything as of, as of greater importance than I am my time with God?" What we start to see is wedges getting plugged out because sin is spiritual adultery. It's simply getting away from God and spending intimate time somewhere else, because God is a jealous God. One of his names is jealous. He's jealous for us, he's jealous for our attention, our time, our worship. It's walking out on God though, and, and and doing something according to your own desires, and then coming back and slipping back in bed with God. And that's what an idol does. It will cause you to be estranged From God, but let me say something else that you need to hear right now. Sin will not affect God's love for you. It will not. It won't. Uh But it will affect your love for God, because it's like it's like you building bricks, and each idol, these things that distract you are like another brick in your life. And eventually, between you and the love of God, you are building up things that create distance, create a barrier, and create division, to create a wedge. Or, it's very interesting to me, I went to Solomon's temple six years ago, five years ago, and there's still, there's stones there that the people were able to move in that day that machinery that has been built still can't move. It's phenomenal. And so... When I, when I think about this, and I think about the idols that we put up in our lives, it's as if we set up such a large stone, something that creates so much division between us, us and God, that even it's so large, even machinery can't move it. But an act towards God can. One simple move back towards our Heavenly Father can move such a stone that no machine could ever move. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Sin will, sin will affect our love towards God. I want to, I want Yesterday I was, uh, we were two days ago. We were at the lake, and I was having this conversation with a guy at an island that was there, and it was just one of those random conversations. Like, where is this going? You ever have that? Like this, there's all of a sudden this conversation. And you're like, mm, there's something to this, and and it wasn't too long. He said, "Yeah, I I, I live in Tulsa, and I really feel like God's been." been or I know he said other pastors have been telling me that I can do this I should plant a church and so he was he was having this battle he goes he's a, a business owner he started an oil field business in Tulsa and no longer doing that and he's trying to kind of in limbo and I said well let me tell you this first I said don't worry about what other people are telling you you should do or you can do if the Lord tells you then you know you can do it but let me tell you when times get tough if the lord has not told you then you will always look back and wonder did the lord really tell me that or did i, I wish i would have did the lord did, did you but it all comes it all comes when you've been spending you remove the idols because i want to i want to emphasize this because there's so many people that are trying to hear the lord for what he has for them to do going forward Right now in this season, one of the greatest questions that people have is, how do I hear from the Lord? How do I know what the Lord is asking me to do? How do I not know what the Lord is calling me to do in this season? Well, number one, we need to get away from presumability. We need to get away from estrangement. And I need to really begin to position myself to hear what it is that he has to say for me. And his, his response was, you know, I just... The reason I, I want to do this is because I just don't feel like I'm reaching enough people as I am right now, where I'm what I'm doing. And I told him, I said, that's okay. He said, I really feel like though I can still do, I can still be in business and and, and do ministry. I said, absolutely you can. I said, never feel like that you have to go and start a church in order to reach people because this is not a solo effort hey unity this is not a so this is the body of christ coming together i told him you can still lead companies as you as it seems like is in you to do and yet the gift that god has given you is to help the body the public body to reach people and so you're actually reaching people as you use the gift within the body of christ as he's given you to use Man, I'm, let me just tell you, I, I, need, I feel like I need to say that because God has actually created so many missionaries, so many ministers, and he has placed them, for this instance, in the oil field. He's placed them in the construction industry. He's placed them into the school, the school districts. And it's equivalent, the calling of ministry in their lives, in city council, on boards, it's equivalent as someone who would be, such as myself and Pastor Cass, who would be speaking from the platform. There is no division. There's no hierarchy. There is this linear movement of God who is, is the people that he's called to go into all of these fields of work. I will say that, yes, there are some people that are called to minister, to be full-time ministry. But that's not everybody's calling. So we're here to equip The saints for the work of the ministry and as saints we go out and we do the work of the ministry we come in like we talked about last week come in to worship we come in to to serve we come in to love and then we go out to war we come in and we go out that's why we have our discipleship nights that we're starting this wednesday at 6 30 you're in all invited by the way all invite discipleship is to equip the saints. That's why we have our ministry training on August 21st. We're, we're trying to equip saints to, for, to do the work of the ministry. That's why we have our freedom conference, I mean, August 9th, 10th, and 11th. It's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you don't feel equipped, you should be here to be equipped, to be sent back out. Number three is this, spiritual deafness. Spiritual deafness. Sin is an idol that takes up room within our heart, and it causes spiritual deafness. I want you to pay attention to the people that we're discussing here. He said the elders. The elders had set up idols in their hearts. The elders were not able to hear the voice of God. Isn't that interesting? The elders had to come to the prophet because they had idols set up in their heart. That's exactly, that's, you see, there's an issue there. These people are supposed to hear the voice of God, but they had to go to a prophet because they couldn't hear the voice of God because they had idols set up in their hearts. Why couldn't they? Because of sin. And that sin had led to become an idol. Isaiah 59, two says this, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you. So that he will not hear. See, here right is, here, right here. Our sins, God never begins to hide his face from us, but it's our sins that begin to build that brick wall that now we are hiding his face from us. And, and so often the trick is, the trap is, whenever we begin to commit sin, Satan begins to shame us for that very sin and then we just, well, I'm going all in now. Well, I'm just going to do more of it. If that's the case, if God's going to hide his face from me, if God's not going to be, God's there. The sin has created the division, has set the bricks and the mortar for the brick wall that has caused his face to be hidden. But it's us, it's our actions that have caused that divide. Our sins have hidden his face. This is why the Lord is trying to show us in this series that we cannot we, we can live in constant communion with him, but it takes us spending time worshiping him wholeheartedly, being in his word, and communing with him through prayer. Some of the greatest times that I begin to hear the Lord, the voice of the Lord, is just when I'm in all-out worship. When I'm abandoning my thoughts what's going on, the images right here, I abandon my images, and I take up his images. I take up him, I take up his heart, I take up what he, what is he doing, what is he saying in the heavenly places? When I begin to focus on, I magnify, and this is all through scripture, I just begin to magnify him, he is magnified. There's a song, and it's out of the third day, two, I think Wednesday, uh, the, the, the worship set But all the week, all this week since then, it's been ruminating in my soul even as I sleep. And I wake up singing this song in my heart to remove every name, all names be gone until there's nothing but your name. All every name to be removed until there's nothing but your name. All every name to be removed. Anxiety has a name. Worry is a name. But when I magnify those, they, become, they begin to take control of my imagination. The images, they begin to bear up images in my mind. And when I'm, I'm grabbing a hold of those, God is not magnified. But when I begin to, as this song would say, removing every name but your name, every name but your name, every name to be gone but your name. It causes me to set every one of those idols that try to build up a brick wall in my life to take my attention away from what God can do, has done, and wants to do in my situation. It takes the attention. I have to cognitively, actively, intentionally remove every one of those bricks, those idols, so that I can magnify God so that he can actually move in my situation. Boy, I'm hoping I'm speaking to somebody today. Thank you. So when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, we unknowingly turn down the voice of God. And when we're not intentionally removing these idols, we turn up the voice of these idols. And you know it because your mind starts to go there and it ruminates. And over and over and over you have these cyclical thoughts. These thoughts that just cycle through your mind and they won't stop. Well, Because you're meditating. Meditating on the wrong thoughts their image are mere images of what we have we have come to believe is best for our lives these things that we want to do there's things that well here's what i think i should do here's what i think my I, I, would be best for my me here's what i think that would be best in this scenario here's what i think would be the best outcome but we start living and learning and, and doing out of these anxieties and these worries and these stressors rather than magnifying god and say well but, but what do you say god What would your outcome look like? What is it that you want to do? You want me to walk out in this situation so that your outcome can actually come into fruition? We try to do our best effort and it always comes up short and we get more and more frustrated and oftentimes we get more and more frustrated with God, but we never invited God into the situation. We went and did some godly things and then we came out and we did some self things. We made some self choices out of our godly experience. So we begin to magnify these idols instead. So we settle for less than God's best in our lives. And you go long enough and you will begin to believe that you are hearing God's voice. In reality, it's just the voice of that spirit that's behind the image, the idol, the distraction that you've been embracing and holding up in your head. It's been placed before your heart. And that thing, because it's been given so much attention, has been now been given the right to speak to you. And it's really the spirit that's entering in through that thing that is actually speaking through you to you. And now it starts to move your life around and change you. You you start to live long and you start to listen to it long enough. You'll think you're hearing the voice of God but it's not the voice of God. I had a, a friend years ago that was my accountability partner, and God used him mightily even to take me into ministry. He used me for, account- I mean, God used him for accountability. And, and all through this time, and it's interesting, because two people can be walking step by step and doing the same things, except for one is getting near to God, and then one of them just refuses to allow God to take up space in their heart. I don't know if you've ever had a friend like that, but this friend who we tried to help so much had a had a wife in another country, and he moved here to try to get his wife to uh, to America. All valid reasons. Great guy, wonderful guy. But as soon as he as soon as he gets a little stressed and gets a little anxious and gets a little worried and starts to doubt, hey, doubt a name. How many have the don't raise your hands? But that's an idol when doubt starts to be, become your leader, the voice, rather than God. So he has a, an estranged relationship and another child with another woman. And man, when I just started to correct that and bring that and address that, the repentance was there. Sorry, the, the, the crying and the weeping and, 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 the, and the sorrow was there, but the repentance never followed it. And so we can do all these emotional things. We can have all these emotional moments. But if that heart of repentance doesn't follow this moment of correction and addressing and removing the idols, then we just start drawing right back to that idol. We just start going and reaching back because we haven't truly learned to trust the one true holy God that he loves us that much. He's madly in love with us, that he's wanting, he's desiring us to remove those bricks from in front of us, between us and him. That's the sin, those sin bricks. Removing those sin bricks so that his face can shine fully on us again. Man. And even, even then, in the midst of all the crying, not ready for repentance. How many of us have been there? Like, I, I, yeah, I've been there. You can address it and correct it. And I'm crying, I'm sorrowful, and I'm, I'm sad over it, but I'm just not ready to give it up. So lost in our sin. When people start to say they have peace from God and they're going through a situation like this, he was, he was saying, I had to correct it because he was saying, we're hearing God, we're reading the Bible together and we're hearing God together. Brother, you're not hearing God. Your wife is in another, If your wife is in another country and you think you're hearing God with another woman, that's a different spirit. Let me tell you this way. You think, well, that's, that's so explicit. That's them. Um, if you're listening to another voice and you're listening to a, another ideology, if you're listening to doubt and worry and fear and anxiety and you're not listening to God, you think. That God is, you think that this God, this idol is telling you, you need to just go and, and leave and, and not do and cause division or be about division. That's not the voice of God. Number four is consequences. Ezekiel fourteen ten, and they shall bear their iniquity. The punishment of the prophet shall be the same as the punishment of the one who inquired. Punishment here is the same word that's translated as iniquity. It's interesting. And here's what he's saying. Because if someone is in sin and he goes to the prophet and gets counsel and the the prophet addresses, I'm sorry, does not call this sin out, if the prophet does not, call this sin out, then the prophet is actually embracing the same idol. This is why you want people around you that are willing to call out your junk. Because if they don't call out your junk and they won't call out your junk, it's probably because they're doing the same junk. Oh, it's true. And so this is why God is saying if the prophet, if he comes to the prophet and the prophet won't call it out, well, that prophet's going to have the same punishment because these two are equivalent. Both Now both the elders have idols in their heart and the prophet is embracing the same idol. And that's why we need hard messages from time to time because if we don't respond to what God is saying through the, the difficulties, we'll never be able to experience the full freedom that God has for us all. And it was for freedom That Christ went to the cross. It was for freedom that he died. It was for freedom that his blood bled. It dripped on Calvary. It was for freedom. It was for freedom. And so many times we think we have more freedom if we don't get closer to the Lord. No, you have more bondage until you get close to the Lord. Scripture says the punishment will be the same. And remember this word is also translated iniquities. The word iniquity literally means the consequences of sin. And so it's the punishment as a life of sin. This is called bondage. Let me break this down because if you've ne- if you have been to our freedom conference, you need to sign up again. If you have not, you definitely need to sign because you need to know that if we not begin to sin. Because there's an idol in my life, and I continue down this path of of magnifying this idol, focusing on this idol, and continuing to let this sin exist in my life, Scripture is saying right here, the punishment of this is that it just becomes natural and what is an iniquity in your life. All of a sudden, because you've looked at this thing, you no longer have it in your heart to realize the conviction that this thing is not right. And this becomes a natural way of life for you that is called the punishment of sin. It's called iniquity. And why do you need to know this? Because iniquities are visited to the third and the fourth generations. Now it's called a familiar bent. Now there's a familiar bent in your life and you wonder, why did my kids do that? Because you never put a stop to it. You watched granddaddy do it, and you said, if he does it, I'm going to do it too. And he only did it because his daddy did it. And now we're wondering why the fourth generation's doing it too. Because great-granddaddy didn't stop it, granddaddy didn't stop it, and daddy hadn't stopped it. What? But somebody's going to have to cut it off. Somebody's going to have to start listening to the Lord and realize this is an idol, a stronghold in my family's life, and I'm not going to have it anymore. Amens all around. So there, so there becomes this familiar being, <laughs> and the reason that God takes such a strong stance against sin is not because he doesn't like people, it's because he loves people. He comes across so strongly because he's so passionate for our hearts. His greatest desire is to have our hearts, and he's continually using concepts to compete with our hearts so he can recapture our hearts. People who have sin in their lives, they tend to pretend you know the word, well, before I go there, you know what actors used to be called way back, way back in biblical times? You might know, Pastor. But there was this place, before I get there, there was this place in Caesarea, I went in 2016, just about a month after my first child was born, and we went to Caesarea, Caesarea is right on the coast, and it's actually where they found the stone that Pontius Pilate actually existed, everything was challenged, even with Christ and the experience with Pontius Pilate, until this stone was found. Now there's a monument, and memorial for that stone, and the stone is actually in Jerusalem. On Caesarea, though, that's where the hippodromes were where they would fight with, with horse and chariots and, and often till death. Romans were pretty vulgar people. And so they would fight till death in these hippodromes. And so just outside of this hippodrome, there was a main hippodrome and there was a little you know, amateur hippodrome. Well, there's this huge amphitheater and I'm telling you, the wall, the seats, are, the stands are, is, is, is crazy, probably 100 feet, if not more. And when you get up there and you, you're looking straight down, this thing is steep. You're intimidated just standing up there. This is the place where it's believed that Agrippa, Herod Agrippa I, uh, was speaking, and the people said, that's a voice of a God and not a man. And he accepted that. a spirit, An angel of the Lord hit him, killed him, and worms came in. Anybody know that story? All right. So Herod built this amphitheater. Herod had built this amphitheater. And there, were, there would be Greek actors' plays. They would come in to this amphitheater, and today they still have rock concerts in this place. They would, they, they would have these uh, the- theatrical plays. And so the actors were called Hippa Cretes. Crete to, to speak. Hippa from underneath or from behind. So they would wear a mask and they would speak from behind the mask. Hippa Crete, where we get hypocrite. So it's a person because they would present themselves as the person of the mask. So it's a person who presents themselves to be one thing, but in actuality, there's something completely different. They present themselves to be passionate for the Lord or to know God, but in reality, they're more familiar with their idols. Y'all tracking with me? HIPAA, Crete. There's three steps in this this thing that's called idolatry. Number one, it's, it's convenient. It's inconvenient, rather, to worship God. It's inconvenient to worship God. Number two is let's do something that's more convenient. Number three is this. You know what? Let's just add some other gods to this thing. You know, Jeroboam did this very thing. So he, he built a, a temple that was just like Solomon's temple in the north, and he built it down in the south. And he says, you know what? It's too far to have to go to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And so I'm just going to build one close to me wherever I'm at so that I can do that. And by the way, we're going to add some worship for other gods in this place too, because it's more convenient. It's inconvenient to have to go to church. It's inconvenient to get out of my pajamas. It's inconvenient. To serve the body of christ it's inconvenient to worship the lords with my hands raised it's inconvenient to be expressive towards my god who saved me from the hell it's inconvenient it's inconvenient to spend time my quiet time with the lord it's inconvenient it's so much easier to do these other things so why don't we just add this other stuff no one would ever identify these things as idols but they're stealing the attention Because they're more convenient. They're taking the attention away that belongs to God who really has the answers to all the solutions. Instead, we're we're meditating on these other things that are actually hindering us from being all God created us to be. And it may be that these are the things that are actually hindering us from all out expressive worship to our God because he's not truly the one true God in our lives. Because he says, he says, First commandment, worship the Lord. You shall worship the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your strength. You shall worship, you shall love, you shall serve. But it's not really that important to me because there's these other things that I get to do. I love you. Man, thank you so much. But we've all at some point worshiped and served another God. Every one of us. None of us are exempt for this. And how fast can easily even myself begin to worship another idol, another image, something else that takes up space in my imagination and my heart and not giving wholeheartedly the time and the focus that God truly deserves so that I can come out of that time and everything that else that I do outside of that is lived according to His voice, his ways, carrying His presence into every scenario and situation and relationship. When I was in, in Austin, I had gotten saved. I moved to Austin. I was not perfect. I was struggling into salvation. Let me just tell you this. I mean, I got a, can I be clear? I got a DWI after I was saved. Oh, I had a lot of bondage. You do realize that just because you get saved doesn't mean you're free. You have access to freedom, but most oftentimes, believers carry bondage most of their lives until they come to this place of awareness that I'm willing to sit in the seat of realization so that I can actually finally be set free. That's that's worth coming here on Sunday, this Sunday for you. I mean, that just blessed you right there, let me just tell you. But in that process, I realized this is not a scenario I belong in. I, I, this is not a place for me. So I, I had moved to Austin and you would think, well, you just moved into the, the pit of hell. <laughs> well, I, well, my pastor told me about another church there and I've got full hearted, wholeheartedly in and I, I I had, I had a great mentor. Pastor Jesse is his name. Uh, he actually came and spoke here last August. So there's some good things to this story, but it, it, it takes a bad road. i had gotten, ba- I'd even gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was there, and I was just in relationship with God, and I was full, wholeheartedly intimate. Now, I had this amazing, amazing times, hours that I would spend with the Lord. And there was an indifference that Satan worked, a wedge that he worked between me and my pastor. And I, I felt so insecure and so misunderstood, and I felt like I was no longer accepted. And I began to listen to that little voice that spoke. And deceived and created division. And, I, and I, I allowed the excuse of busyness and work to begin to pull me away from attending church. Pull me away from my times of, of mentorship and accountability with correction. It was more convenient for me to do these other things. And it was less convenient for me to go into this time of accountability that sometimes came with correction And I had to face me, but I didn't want to face me in Him. So it was inconvenient for me to do that, and I got into a relationship, and it was not a godly relationship. I had been saved, I had been found so much freedom, had been baptized on the Holy Spirit, but I was still carrying so much bondage, so many hurts, so many wounds, and at. About three or four months into that relationship, I, I remembered, this is what bondage does to you, I remembered thanking God for the relationship, even though it was not a godly relationship. You ever try to convince God that what you're doing is right? Oh, yeah. And then you start giving him the credit, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, and you feel this thing, this turn in your heart, oh no, that's not God, feel junky, feel junky, feel junky. Because that's exactly what Satan does, right? He talks, he convinces you to do something then he shames you for being in the middle of it. And the voice of the Holy Spirit came into my condo one night and says, it's gonna hurt, but I've got her and I've got you, but I need you to break it off. And it hurt. It hurt her, it hurt me, but I wanted the presence of God back in my life. And I called her, I apologized in advance, and I heard the poor girl's heart just break. And my heart's breaking. But I knew what the Lord had told me, and I had to put an end to what was completely ungodly and incorrect and did not honor the one true God. And the moment I did that, I felt the presence of the Lord like never before right there in my condo. It was like there was the temple outpouring, and I just sat in his presence, and I wept and I cried. My heart hurt. He gave me his heart for her heart and his heart, and I wept for us all. And maybe, worship team, you can come up. Maybe you're in that place where it's easier to just stay in this sin than it is to go through the process of repentance for this sin. Because it's it's harder to be corrected, to be repentant, to be to truly adjust to the change and the pain that it's going to take to go through this change of heart, this time of transition. It's true, this truly becoming clean and pure before the Lord. I just don't know how that's going to feel. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't, I don't know about all that. I don't know if I can do that. It's just easy. Let me tell you. It's that very thing that's keeping the face of the Lord from shining upon you. And it may just be that God is using this right here to take you out of bondage and into freedom on this July 4th weekend because there's some things that He may want to speak to you about. And maybe it's not as explicit as that. There may be a realization that you're setting up something as more important as your time with the Lord, your quiet time with the Lord, your experience in what he has for you, knowing what he has for you going forward. Fully, fully understanding who he's called and created you to be. And Ezekiel says this in fourteen five. God said that I may seize the house of Israel, God's people, by their hearts. This is what he's after. just remove the idols the things that are taking up space in your heart the the images the what's going on in your imagination would you just let that stuff go for the sake of maybe taking a deeper step towards the lord maybe doing some things expressively that you've never done before it's just easier to be but maybe it's time to get a little inconvenient. Maybe it's time for us to quit making Christianity so convenient. Maybe you can't get it through a drive through like you thought you could. Maybe you don't just come in and get out without meeting anybody and just get your taste and you go and I'm good. Maybe it's not about you. And this is not a message where, man, I just makes me feel so bad, no. Again, that's what Satan wants to say. He wants to condemn you. He wants to make you feel guilty. But you need to remember, you're a child of God. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus. And it is grace that not covers your sin, it empowers you to move beyond the sin that you've been stuck in. It empowers you to move beyond. I'm here and I'm trying to figure out how to get here, Let me step into his grace by removing these idols so that his grace can shine upon me so that I can actually move beyond this stronghold, this struggle, this generational thing that's been in my family for decades. The only reason God is speaking to us about this idol in our hearts, these idols that are in our hearts, is so that he can remove them with you in conjunction as you hear his voice. Let me tell you, you think, you think you're think you hiding it from him? You're not. If he's bringing it to your attention right now, it's because he's speaking to you about it. And he's saying, hey, let's hand in hand, by my grace, remove this thing and everything that's connected to it that's actually keeping you from fully walking in me. And man, you have a gentle God that is passionate for you. And as you guys do that together, you're going to see that that's actually a plug. There's a dam that's in the way. And when that dam is removed, there's a flood that comes in. And when that flood comes in, there's this passionate expression that begins to emerge because it's really God flowing worship through you, flowing through you and back to him because we're just vessels. We're just vessels. So I've got to remove all the articles that don't look like him. And individually, the Holy Spirit is so gentle. He just wants to speak to you today. So can I kind of pray for you, if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes, however it is that you experience the Lord. Because the Old Testament's not a bunch of legalism. It's full of grace, and it's full of God seeking after his people's heart. And Lord, right now, I just would you, could you just agree with me in your heart? Lord, right now, we just repent for having anything any image any unknown stressor any unknown worry or anxiety any activity any hobby any distraction that we've ruminated we've focused on more than you yourself ask this question I ask it every week what is the Holy Spirit saying to me Holy Spirit what are you saying to me in a moment our prayer team is going to be forward and if you need prayer for anything you don't have to have been a member at Thrive Community Church you don't have to just, just come forward I need prayer maybe it's not even about this you know how people are if I come forward they're going to think I had to repent for an idol that's in my heart no one cares And if they do, who cares? What's most important is there is an outpouring of God's love and grace in an area where there was distraction and confusion and pain and hurt and loss. It's the presence of God that just wants to flow in you and through you, become cyclical so that the world will know that Jesus has come because of the love that's on your face, the freedom that you're experiencing the release of stress and worry and anxiety and burden. If you need prayer for anything at all, I'm just going to encourage you to come forward today. During this last song, we're going to worship. But if the Holy Spirit is identifying anything, do you just process it with Him today? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What idol have I given space to on the mantle of my life? And as he begins to show you things, let me just remind you, that's not you thinking about it. That's the Holy Spirit putting it in your heart because he wants to work it out with you. He's here to co-labor with you in removing those idols from the mantle of your heart. So Father, we just pray for grace. We pray for every distraction that competes with your voice to be gone right now in Jesus' name. We pray for love to just penetrate the hearts of every individual, myself included, in this place today. Pray, Lord, that you remove all shame and condemnation and guilt, any residue from it that's trying to bring God's people down into the dumps, Lord. Thank you that you lift us up into high places with you. Thank you that you, you say we are seated in heavenly places even right now. So Father, I pray that your people learn and grow in the understanding and the meditations of your goodness, your mercies, your testimonies, your word. Father, let there be lies that are replaced by truth today in this place. And may we, as we spoke last week, leave changed and different than the way we came in. So, Father, we just pray for your freedom. We pray for your spirit, your joy, your love. We pray for unity pray for healing in the bodies of those who are needing healing today, just a supernatural healing in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for marriages. We pray for finances. We pray for children. Lord, we pray for your church. pray for the government leaders, Lord, that they be moved by your spirit and you bring someone into their lives that will bring a new perspective of your truths and your graces and your mercies. Father, we pray for wisdom in the hearts of your people that as they go out into the mission fields which you've created you called them to be in lord that you give them a restored purpose in their hearts that you help them to see god moments that are right in front of them conversations that are coming across at the water cooler or moments of transition and transaction lord that as they're going about and into retail stores and wherever it is that you take them, Lord, let it be that we understand that we are not just going to a place, but we've been sent into a place. May we become more aware of what you're doing in the scenarios of our lives and help us to slow down and to just be present with your presence. And Father, let it truly be we're at this top of the roller coaster moment is like oh no what have I done what's coming that that next turn as we come over the peak and that precipice and we're 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 hitting that downward that downward thrust and where the water just leaves as soon as we hits it because we're finally we're we're in that place of hallelujah praise the lord thank you jesus We start to really find out how good you are and how much you've been right there all along trying to remove those idols. And Lord, we just pray these things wholeheartedly in Jesus' mighty name.